This morning what we're going to do is we, we're going to have a preach testimony at the same time. Okay, this is Wade Holland. I've known Wade for nearly 20 years now. Okay, you arrived here. It was early 2000s, I remember, when I first met Wade. And uh, we are going to share some of his story here this morning. Now, I didn't know Zeta was going to share that testimony at all. And this relates a lot to what this man's life was walked through. His wife, Maggie, is there. They are going to be sharing and continuing this story tonight at Trek. Okay, and uh, Maggie's voice will be added in tonight as well to add part of the story to that. But it's nice to have Wade's mom here as well this morning. You're all, because of you, it's here he stands. That's right. And uh, we just want to honor God. But you know one thing here, before we get going, you know that verse that Caleb referred to in, uh, it's, I think it's 1 Corinthians 16 or 2 Corinthians 16, and it says about the men, and that final word, be strong. That, that word in the, in the, in the uh, Greek is only used three times in the New Testament, the word strong. Paul is writing that to men to be strong. That is the exact same word that was spoken over John the Baptist and over Jesus about being equipped to do what you require to do on earth. It's, it's kratuya. I've preached that here. It's the same word. Men... There's the same word, it's, and it's for all of us, okay? It's not a gender equality thing, yeah? We don't go here in the church, just, I won't go there, don't go there, okay? So I just want you to be, that conference is, is, is about God filling into us, into our hearts and our lives, so it's the same word. Anyway, we've got a great story to tell you this morning, okay? We, we don't know how this is going to flow, this is going to roll, but we're just going to trust God. But I just, I just want to also just welcome Mr. Sean Munembo, I know we've all said it, okay? Back, it's great to have you in this house, this is his home. This is his house. And when I was in the UK in May, June, we hung for the day together. We walked through the streets and met some amazing people that he's connected with. But what I'm seeing in this guy's life is he's, he's setting a path according to how I feel God's leading him. But the Lord is ordering his steps and stuff. And he's walking forward. There's many things that open. We'll have a little testimony here one of these Sundays. Yeah, he's back for a little while before we go. But there's other doors opening for him. So... This is Wade, okay, who's got an incredible story, okay, and uh, I remember when I first met Wade, he had long hair, okay, that's not, it's, it's, we'll just blame that guy standing at the back for that, it's all this mic, okay, he had long hair, and uh, he was friends with a guy that we've known for a number of years, he knew my brother, and he kind of arrived in Cape Town, but just, you start with a little bit of context of what you wanted to say here. And right the beginning, that very first verse that you've got reference to there, I think is key. And we're going to share the iPad. No, you got it. I moved it. Sorry, you moved it. Yeah. It's been moved. <laughs> All right. So there's, uh, there's no place that's dark enough or deep enough that you could hide. You must hold the mic right on your face. Right over here. How's that? <laughs> right, so. right up close. All right. I should know this. There's, a, there's no place deep enough or dark enough that we could hide or run from, from him. And uh, I've tried. I've tried for, geez, 20 years. I got saved in 1999, and uh, it's been like this all, all the years. And I've tried to run up until about four months ago uh, when I finally realized what what. what what this all is actually really about. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, so, you know, just looking, <clears throat> Psalm 139, um, 
You know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay. no, I just want you all to shout to Wade, we love you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. They, they are not measuring your words here. Okay, so there's, there's nothing to be nervous about. Okay. So there's no fear of man here, because no one here is going to reject you. Okay, fear of man's a big thing. And a nervousness is because you, you're concerned about what you're going to say is going to be relevant. What he's going to say is very relevant this morning. Okay, so we just say, we love you, Wade. We love you, Wade. Freedom. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Go for it. All right, cool. So, you know, where will I go? Where will I go from your presence? You know, if I, if I, if I, if I go to heaven, there you are. And if I make my bed in hell, there you are. And if I jump on the winds and I go to the utmost parts of the sea, you know, there your hand will hold me and your right hand will lead me. And, you know, that really, that really works well for me because, uh, because I ran. And uh, I kind of, I wanted, I wanted him to know that I knew that I wanted to know who I was. That's what I wanted. And I couldn't find it in him. And everything that I thought that I could be with him, he wouldn't give me. And it's because of my misunderstanding of my identity and the value of where that lies. And so, and so I've disappeared. I'm back. Okay. Let's keep going. All right. So um, in Peter, you know, uh, Peter, 2 Peter 3 verse 9, you know, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And uh, this, is, this, is, this is very good for me, uh, very important to me, because uh, being saved in 1999 uh, was probably a month and uh, in the church that I was saved in, a prophetess came down and prophet- prophesied uh, over me uh, quite, a, quite a heavy word that, uh, that I've been carrying with me for all these years. And, and going through what I went through, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, um, you know, I, I always had this with me as a wait and, and waiting. When, when is this going to happen? When am I going to be this thing? And it was all just when, me, and, and, and all that. And, and, you know, God spoke to me the other day and he said to me, you know, I'm not slack concerning my promise as some men count slackness. Um, he's long-suffering towards us, and he's willing that none should perish, but all, that, you know, that all should come to repentance. And, uh, and you know, just that, that, that part of him not being slack concerning his promise. Okay, so you got saved in 99 yeah. in a church up in Richards Bay, mm-hmm. and uh, you touched and felt the presence of the living God. You moved to Cape Town in about... It was about 2003, 2004. 2004, yeah. 2004 October, time. That's, that's when I met him. So it's about 15 years that I've known him. Now, the verse that he put around the front is, they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So there's a power that's overcome by the word of a testimony this morning. Okay, so just give us some context of you getting saved from what? What was your life involved in? What, are you, what were you doing at that stage? Well, uh... When I was in school, I met uh, I met Ryan, a friend of mine. Uh, it's not my brother, by the not, way. Not, no. not his brother, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> this is back in Richards Bay, and uh, I was smoking a lot of weed at the time. My and, brother uh, did do that as well, but it's okay. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> you didn't do that. No, no I didn't do that. No. <laughs> so, uh, uh, sitting in a geography class the one day, this friend of mine, uh, he was drawing marijuana leaves, and he was writing this jowl all over his book instead of doing his work. And I was fascinated. I was like, what's going on? And he explained the whole thing to me. And, it, and this led to me becoming a raster. And uh, so I dropped out of school, grew dreadlocks, and moved pretty much out of the house for the most part, and moved into a township in, in Seleni and became the guitarist for a reggae band who played on the street for money to eat. And, uh, you know, well, <laughs> and that's what I did. I did that for many years. And uh, I had this friend. His name was Lawrence, and... Uh, 
Oh, bless Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence loved the dark things of life. Um, like, he was, okay, he was pretty dark. And um, one day, him and I decided we were going to go up and do some breaking and entering uh, at the public swimming pool. We are going to jump over the wall and uh, smoke a nice fatty and uh, get really stoned and then, you know, break the law twice and then go home. And so we did. And while I was there, he turned and said to me, so now tell me, well, tell me, tell me about this rust-up business. So I did, and I gave him what I considered to be the Sermon of Sermons. You know, I thought, I've got a convert now. And, uh, well, you see? <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, he was quiet for a few seconds after I was done, and uh, he said two words to me that shook me, and it still shakes me today. Uh, all he said was, you're wrong. And... Uh, Okay, all right, so you met the guy, you clearly were saved out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and the part of that moving to Cape Town, you were here at the bay, you were kind of connected with us, and you know, your journey kind of continued, you've spoken about your prophetic word, your drugs, the alcohol, and the girls, that kind of coincides with the life of living in darkness. So the point of moving to Cape Town and being here, but then the context of your story now starts unfolding in the next part. Of, of where you're at, being in this city and the different context of life that started happening for you? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I experienced, uh, I experienced quite a high level of freedom when I got here. Not freedom in Christ, just freedom in no one knows me and I can do just what it is that I want. And uh, at least it felt that way. And, uh, you know, um, again, in church and out of church and doing all sorts of things, trying to figure out what's going on. And, uh, you know, drugs, drugs played a big part in my life. Um, and... Uh, I met a guy whose name was Guy, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and he played uh, he played heavy metal guitar, which was just the thing I was looking for because playing you know soft guitar in church just wasn't working for me. It wasn't soft this morning. What was that? Uh, it wasn't very soft. No, you no. did well. He did okay. well. Okay, <laughs> just wasn't heavy metal, eh? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so so um, I met this guy named Guy, and he was playing heavy metal guitar, and we got connected, and uh, one day I was at his house, and we were just talking, and he gave me the satanic Bible, and I was like, oh, great, and we had been married for two weeks, Mags and myself, and uh, I arrived home that evening with a satanic Bible, and uh, she wasn't too impressed, but I was quite excited, so uh, yeah, after reading the book, I realized, hey, look at this, man, what these guys are saying is actually, like, this is it, this is it, and, uh, and that was the end of that, I became a satanist. Uh, at least I, I like to refer to it as uh, attempted Satanism because, you know, I, I had been saved. <laughs> so once he is, always his, you know. So, so yeah, anyway, I went that route and uh, I did a whole lot of horrendous things. And, um, yeah, things just got worse and worse and worse to the point of where I was in the mood to kill somebody. And uh, I, would whisper, I would whisper to my wife at night all my secret plans and how I was going to murder people. And, the, you know, I was going to get away with it. And, uh, and this is it, because I'm going to take their souls and I'm going to get stronger and blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, and so that, that luckily never panned out. But there was one man in particular that I really wanted to kill. Um, and I hated him. I hated him with a passion. And I don't, still today, I don't know why. I mean, I think I know why, but I don't really know why, because he didn't do anything to me. And this man, his name is Nicholas Groves, and some, some of you will know him. And uh, yeah, I just He's quite want... an excited and happy guy for Jesus. So that's 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 probably why. That's probably why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted him dead, but I wanted to be the reason. And uh, so, with all of that going on, I uh, became a hopeless uh, crack addict, and uh, I found I found the end of my road eventually. Where we ran out of money, I smoked out my wife's uh, inheritance money from her dad, and we had three thousand rand left. 
And uh, I took that money and went to the drug dealer in Musenberg and gave him all that money and he gave me all his drugs and I went home and I was like, I'm going to smoke 30 pieces of crack and die. That's, that's happening today. And uh, anyway, so I smoked all the crack and, uh, and well, I didn't die. Um, I passed out and I felt myself disappear, but I woke up the next day with a very full bladder and uh, I was quite mad because I was, you know, meant to be dead. So... Anyway, one thing led to another, and I realized it's time for this uh, rite of blasphemy, and I'm getting reminded that there's a book on my bookshelf, which was really the Bible, and God was talking to me, and I didn't know it. And, um, you know, pulling the book off the shelf, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the Bible. I've got to perform my rite of blasphemy for the devil today, and, uh, and so I did. But when I sat down, I threw the book on the floor, and it opened up uh, in, into the, in the front cover, and in the front cover stapled a prophetic word that was given to me in 1999, and that opened up in front of me, and I was like, oh, what a great thing to swear at God about. So this, is a, this is a good thing. So I did. But I, I never performed a rite of blasphemy that day. I ended up fighting with God. And, um, you know, going through all of that, I eventually threw the book against the wall. I was angry, telling him that he's just lying and, you know, all this stuff is nonsense. And I stood up and looked at myself in the bedroom cupboard door that was open and broken because of a temper that I couldn't control. And there's a broken image of myself, and my mouth spoke by itself. And it said, true worship is recognizing God for who he is and accepting it. And, say, uh, say, that, say it again. True, true worship is recognizing God for who he is and accepting it. And, so that, was, uh, that was looking into a... Yeah. That, that, was, that was looking into a broken mirror that he had smashed in a temper tantrum, and God spoke to him in that moment. Say it, just say it one more time. It's very powerful. True worship is recognizing Jesus, recognizing God for who he is and accepting it. And, uh, and I didn't know what that meant until the other day, uh, because even though, even though I had come out of this thing, and uh, wait, I need to tell you a little bit more about Nick quickly. Is that cool? And uh, so, so, so three, uh, three months into this whole thing, after, after the right of blasphemy, um, I was just having this incredible urge to phone Nick Groves. And, uh, you know, no, <laughs> not going to happen. But I gave in one day. I couldn't take it anymore. And uh, I got a friend of ours, uh, Carla. Uh, she gave me his number. And I phoned him. And I said to him, listen, I don't know why I'm phoning you, but I'm only going to tell you a little bit of what's going on. And then you better tell me what's going on because I haven't got time for this nonsense. <laughs> anyway, I spent about an hour on the phone with him telling him everything. <laughs> and, uh, and, he, uh, he's, and, and he was so calm. He, he wasn't shocked. He wasn't anything. He was like, oh, okay, all right. That's fine. You know, pray with me. And I was like, oh, great. You know, this wasn't supposed to end like this. You know, you're supposed to be shocked, man. But he wasn't. So he prayed with me. And at the end, he said, uh, say after me. He wanted me to say, I invite you into my life, Lord Jesus. Anyway, I got as far as I invite you into my life. And then my jaw locked. And my voice went away. And I tried, and I tried, and I tried, until he shouted at me like I was a little child. He was like, say it! <laughs> and so I just, I don't, I don't know, I said it. And when I said it, I collapsed onto the floor to find my phone with a light under the bed because I was standing in the dark. And then from then on, I, I received a, quite, a, quite a hefty anointing from God, but then I ran away again. And, so there was a season when, some of you might remember, Wade came back to the bay. And he was here for a while. He would sing on the stage and would play and be passionate in these songs and singing them. But there was something more brewing in his heart about what God was wanting to do for him. And so he had came home, but then ran away again and uh, disappeared for a season. 
and we didn't run after him, you know, because we knew God's timing with things is, is crucial, and part of that standing out today is that. So you ran away for a bit. God spoke to you during that time as well. He didn't let you go. He was relentless. It was annoying for you, right? Yeah, very, very. Very annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I started a heavy metal band. Uh, the drummer of that band has been saved recently. Him and his wife were here. Uh, come on, yeah, come on. I started a heavy metal band, and the whole focus in the band for me was to, was to, was to hate you. And, uh, so and now to, you're out of Satanism. Yeah. Okay, you've been set free from that, yeah. but you've still got a hate for the church. Very, yeah. Because you, 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 what is happening, you re, you're realizing there's a reality. This is what God is using as a vehicle for his kingdom advance. So you were going on another journey, okay? So you went back to heavy metal, but you weren't in Satanism. No. Heavy metal is just a genre, okay? But it's just there's evil connections to the music. Yeah, you know, what happened was during the time that I'd come back after Satanism, I was sitting in the back there. And during worship, I had a vision and God spoke to me about something. And, uh, and it kind of started messing my mind up because I would go into the shower every night and he would say things to me that I couldn't, I couldn't carry them. And I didn't know what to do with all this stuff. And, uh, and uh, carrying all this stuff eventually started making me bitter because I started what I believed was I was feeling God's heart for the church as a whole. And... Uh, and I was just focusing on the negative stuff and not on the positive stuff. And I wasn't looking further than what was doing or what, what was wrong than, you know, versus what, what, what's coming and what's right. And, uh, yeah, that just, that just really ate me up inside to the point where I was just like, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I'm not going to associate myself with people that are a bunch of hypocrites. That, that was my mind. <laughs> yeah, Ouch. Yeah. 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 So, so I ran away, started a band, made songs uh, about how much I couldn't handle the church and, and that. But then, th three or four months ago, my wife and I were on the verge of divorce. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and we were having an argument and fighting and I was swearing and, boy, could I swear. And um, I went into the shower and when I got into the shower, I just prayed and I said, God, you know what, I used to hear you in this room. I used to hear you say things to me that I couldn't carry and you've stopped and I just, I know why, but I need you to say something. And he said, you're my son and I love you. Yeah, so I walked into the shower swearing and cursing, but I came out preaching the gospel. <laughs> now, over all the time I've known Wade, the only time God seems to speak to him is in the shower. Yeah. So when he says, I was in the shower, you're like, yeah, yeah that's right. Because it's quite important what goes down there. You're literally being cleansed, brother. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so the, the last few months have been quite a journey because God has begun to reveal to me who I am. And not only in the context of things like ministry and this and that, but just who I am as a son. And, uh, and how nothing else matters except for him and me when it's just him and me. And, uh, yeah, so I suppose, you know, what, what this is all leading up to is just really saying a few things about this. Um, I, 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 made, I made some of these, yeah. What's the Caval? Caval was the band. Okay, there's a band, yeah. okay. Caval yeah. means flute. It's a type of flute that was used by shepherds in some, uh, somewhere. And they would, they, they, all cavals are made the same, but are different in their tonality. And uh, shepherds would use their caval to call their sheep out of the flock of sheep that were all mingled together when they all hung out. And so the band 
for me, the, the meaning of that band was to call the sheep out to see the problem, which wasn't a problem. Okay, so, so, so at this point, so you've, you were saved, you, you, tried, you tried to run away from Jesus. He sat in my dad's office with him years ago saying, and he said the words, I've renounced Jesus. And my dad said, you can't renounce Jesus. And it made him very angry. But the journey that he's gone on here now, now God's restored back to him because there's a calling on his life. There's, a, there's an anointing on his life. And you see how the enemy wants to come in and destroy it. You believe the lies. So what started happening is now he's feeling the stirring in his heart for the church, who he was calling hypocrites. So he contacted me about, it, was, it feels longer than four months ago. Anyway, time's not an issue here, okay? And we had very long discussions in my man cave talking about the church. And now Wade's problem is in talking to me, I love the church. I'm like, I see all the warts and the ugliness, and I'm like, it's okay. This is the vehicle for Jesus. And in talking that together, the power of what God was doing in his heart, you know, and it's not me, it's just talking these things together. God was starting to cement some truths in his heart. And so if, if you speak to this guy, there's three things that will stir in his heart. It's now the love for the church. Okay. Which we say lightly, but if we are going to believe in it, you've got to love it. You can't sit back and go, oh, well, this is it. It's not, it's, it's the people that you're looking at. Look at the big picture of what the church is. It's their vehicle to advance the kingdom. And in the revelation of the kingdom is crucial in understanding what we do when we leave these four walls. This is just the gathering of us uniting and we celebrate and we touch God's heart this morning. We feel alive in Him. That's the point. But then you go and do that on Monday morning at your sales meeting. Don't preach. You just be alive. You're full of life. And the third thing is that he's now realized he's a son. Identity is, is essential in understanding who you are. No, it's not what you know. It's who you are in the kingdom of God. So speak a little bit about this journey of the, 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 the church coming real to you and alive to you. A little bit of now you kind of realizing I've, want, I've wanted to hate this, but it was a foundational thing Jesus needed to set inside of you to actually walk forward here. I realize that, that I realize that I've been set free, and it's not just me. It's it's I, I see it. I see the church, but I'm part of it. And uh, in realizing that, God, God's just like I was asking God questions. What what is what is this? What is this freedom? You know, and free from what really? And uh, you know, it it all comes back down to what I've realized as as who we are. Um, identity, yes, but how that's rooted in our value and uh you know um i learned that you know the value of something is determined by the price that's paid for it and um and uh <laughs> jesus jesus died on the cross Come and on. his his life was given and his blood was shed for you and for me and we've been set free from a lot of things but we've been set free from us and I've been set free from you and you from me. And, you know, he, the redemption, <laughs> this is amazing, the, the redemption that we have in him is not just being cleaned, but it's being restored to, it's res being restored back to the original place with God before we ate the tree. Come on. You know, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> you know, take hold of your freedom. <laughs> All you have to do is get rid of the very thing that you were never born to be, is, 
is the way that he's been speaking to me through things I've been listening to and him just on his own. And, uh, you know, in Galatians 5, it says, Just stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with Christ has made us free. And don't be entangled again in the bondage of slavery. And, yeah, so, so looking at the church, I, I see freedom. I see freedom and freedom givers. And, uh, and I don't really know what else to say about that. So, I do. Yeah, I'll help you. <laughs> so what, what was happening, he was looking at the people and being hypocritical. Okay, and looking, you know, you see all this kind of stuff. But what's happened is, what's that picture? You were standing in the back and, and, and see, it's the, it's the annoyance. And I always have this too, the frustration with the general church. Where we are bound by our traditions and bound by stuff. And I've had many friends who are not in church and they talk about, oh, I'm having these dreams. And I'm seeing the big signs of churches being pulled down. And I'm seeing, this is their longing in their heart that, it would, that we would all just be equal. There's no up and down with this thing. You see, the church is so stretched in many directions and stuff. What's the true church look like? It's not about the preacher. It's not about the name brand. It's not about how cool you look. It's the, all those things that make church today. That was the, he was getting in touch with, that's the driving force behind the frustration, not the people. You know, you want to take it out on the people because that's easy to blame. It's projecting what you're feeling in your heart. If uh, Kathleen and I have an argument, it's easier for me just to project on you. It's all your fault. Yeah, we do that sometimes. We never really do that, John. But that's, that's project. You just want to project it on someone else. You want to make it someone else's problem. But God was kept doing a work in his heart and his life of realizing the establishment of church. Is this really what God's idea was? In an early church for it to look like? Does it, is it supposed to look like this? And that was the frustration. And in that, God was bringing stuff in your heart and bring this love for this place and stuff. But he spoke to you. What was that picture that you had at the back? back. Mm. Uh, that picture that I had at the back that started this whole thing was um, I saw a crayon drawing on a piece of paper of a house. If you can imagine a child's drawing of like a little square with a triangle and the little windows and all that. I saw that and the page tore in half uh, right down the middle of the house. And, and uh, I, felt, I felt incredibly sad. And I said... I said, God, what is that? And he said, it's my house. It's broken and divided. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now, now at this time, people were coming up and prophesying and saying things and all that there. And, uh, and I was like, okay, well, all right. Well, what do you want me to do about it? And he said, I want you to fix it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, okay, so, um, so I said, all right, um, do you want me to go up and, and you know, tell? And, and anyway, he said, no, I'm going to sit there and listen. And so I did, and... Uh, he said, I want you to fix it. It's broken and divided. And I said, how? Uh, I don't know how to do it. And he said, with my grace. And uh, in time, I'll know, I'll, know, I'll know what that means. So from that, just burst all of this emo- you know, these emotions and, and just a, a, a love. It was a love so heavy that it turned to hatred because I couldn't bear it. Um, at least that's the only way I can explain it. Uh, the love for the church, which became the problem for me, really. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so when he said he loved you, like, he meant it, obviously. <laughs> so Romans 8, uh, we all know Romans 8, but this has stood out for me since 1999. But Romans 8, 35 to 39, uh, you know, uh, uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress... Persecution or famine or nakedness, peril of the sword. You know. Paul says, I am fully persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels or principalities or anything. Anything. We all know it. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is really what it is. I've run 
and hid and run and hid and he's just always been there and he's like that for all of us you know and and yeah, he's there <laughs> love covers all sins proverbs, proverbs 10 12 i feel like 1 corinthians 13 another one we all know 47 i read it the other day uh before i sent sheldon these notes and I realized, like, yeah, it's, it's Paul's sort of take on what love is. But, you know, if we have the mind of Christ, and if, uh, if he lives in us, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, like, the, you know, if we have his mind, we will obviously think like him. That's how it works for me. At least that's what I think. Um, but he says, love suffers long and is kind, doesn't envy. I don't know what vaunteth is, but it doesn't vaunteth itself. Oh, King James, sorry. All right. No. <laughs> It's, I don't, I don't it's not puffed up. <laughs> so it's, it's, not <laughs> it's not proud. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek its own. It doesn't provoke. It doesn't think any evil. It rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is God's heart for us, not just our heart for, for each other. You know, it was for freedom. For freedom that Christ set us free. I've been through that one. But yeah, he'll never leave you or forsake you. And oh man, is this true. I'm here today because of that. If it wasn't for him, I would have been dead. And I would have been dead. (coughs) But now I'm dead in a different light. Yeah, there you go. Oh yes. Mm. And uh, and I'm very excited, you know, because like I can see that, you know, the the very thing, like, like I said earlier, the very thing that we were not born to be, we are born with, which is us, our flesh. And if we take that thing off, we become the very thing that Christ was born to be, and uh, at least one of his little, uh, his jobs, and that, you know, destroy the works of the enemy. Yeah. Destroy the works of the enemy. And I understand his power because he did that in me, and, uh, and that excites me because now I'm ready, you know, to do that wherever. All right, so there's only one God. One Jesus and one gospel. All right, one body, one spirit, Ephesians 4. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling. I heard Bill Johnson say an interesting, uh, sorry, Chris Valaton say an interesting thing. He said, you know, you're, you're all in the ministry. Um, some of us suck at it, but we're all in it. <clears throat> you know, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, Bill Johnson puts it this way. He's like, what do you, what do you want to do? You know, just, you know, you, you just heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, preach the gospel. Cast out demons. That's right. Ephesians 4. One body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Yes. That's right. Come on. (laughs) So you've, you've tried to run the furthest that you could from God. His love... You couldn't outrun. You couldn't disappear from it. You tried to do the darkest, ugliest stuff to try and remove your life from this earth. You've now come to a place of the realization that this love is stronger than death. And, and it's captured your heart. And today, as you're declaring these things, I feel God is setting an order over you and what he's got for you and what he's saying. This guy's very open, the prophetic, can really see a lot of stuff. What is your message to the church today? Not these people, the bigger body. Yeah. What is, what is your message to the church? In understanding that revelation that you've got now about the kingdom, and that you're not—it's not just church; it's the kingdom of God that's there. What is your message to them? And we want to pray for people. 
in that context. Your identity is not based on how you feel. What your mom or dad did to you, what your cousin said, how your uncle touched you. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's based on your value. And, uh, and if I have anything that I would want, I want nothing more than for everybody I meet to know what I've learned. And that's to understand our value and who we are, sons and daughters of the living God. It's easy to run around and say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and the rest of that verse. But putting off who we are and putting on, putting off who we're not meant to be and putting on who we really are is what I love to see. Know who you are and believe who you are because we are saved by faith. All right? So where do you see the church? What do you see the church becoming? I don't know. I I don't know. I just think about something I heard, um, what Jesus is returning for. And, uh, you know, the question is, what is he returning for? And he's returning for a bride whose whose body is in direct proportion to its head. And and I want to see unity and... uh, and togetherness, being of one mind, one accord, believing the same thing, because, because there's, there's one body, one spirit, one okay. of all of those. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I want to create a space here for way to pray over us, but also for people who, who feel they've got to the point in their heart, in their life, where they think, well, I don't know. I don't think God could actually pull me out of this. I don't think things are ever going to change. I think this is, and so what you've done is, it was in the worship already, this, this message about you just succumb and just what Tony was praying, you just accept it and stuff. And actually, as I was praying this morning for this meeting, you know, we don't know, we don't, I don't ever pre-plan of what was going to go down. I didn't plan to lead worship, but just the way the roster was, but I'll never turn down an opportunity to lead worship, so it's awesome, but I, 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 when I prayed, I saw, I saw snakes in this building. And I was like, no, 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 let's pray properly now. I'm just, my imagination is thinking, yeah. You see, the demonic is prevalent and around. And what we've done is we've opened doors in our hearts and our lives, giving access to the enemy. So by you opening that door, like he did, he gives full reign for the enemy to do what he wants. So then you start abiding to those values so then you can be very committed to blasphemy how awesome is that how rubbish is that you see how how committed are we to the things of the kingdom it's constantly the enemy would want to destroy you and pull you down and and i felt the demonic was in this room was actually for a distraction for god to truly do what he wants to do okay now you need to acknowledge we're not going to we're not looking for demons on every bush here Okay, that's not what it's about. It's the realm of the demonic does not have any place in this room. And I want, I want Wade to pray over us because his, his analogy really helped me. He says, you, need, you must understand Satan is not equal to God. Satan is an archangel like Gabriel and those guys and Michael. He's, he's not higher than God. But his fear factor that he uses makes us think he's so big and in power. I'm going to sing. Fear you've lost your hold on me. 
Let's see how powerful these words are. Okay? And I, and I, want, I want you to be open to if you want, you want us to pray for you and you feel you can't break these cycles in your heart, your life. There's a good chance, it's a stronghold of the enemy in your life that can't break these things over you. And I'd rather not do it a mass prayer. If you feel that's you, I want you to come and stand in the front. We will pray with you through a process of prayer. And the eldership here will help you. We'll stand with you. You've got to acknowledge the lie. You've got to acknowledge the doorway that you have opened up into your heart and your life. And then you, de- you, co- you, you, you declare the truth and the power of what Jesus is to you. And you speak that truth over yourself. You break these strongholds over by speaking truth. Truth means nothing hidden. And as you speak that truth, the Holy Spirit rushes in and invades that space and fills it with life. And then we seal things with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Trek tonight, these guys, Maggie, Maggie adds part of her story here. You need to understand this is from a wife's perspective. Oh, help her, Jesus, that she's stuck with this guy. Can you imagine? Shame. Okay. And she's got, she's got a great side of this story to tell. She's had dreams, got speaking to her now about stuff, about the context stuff, but it was all hell. But yet God and his love just wooed them. Okay, well, let's just stand together. Okay. And as I say, we're not looking, we're not looking for demons under every bush here. But we are determined that as a community of people, we will continually keep pressing for freedom. Because if you are now bound and in slavery again, the power of the cross is not enough for you. That's what you're saying. But the power of Jesus will set you free. Let's just quieten our hearts and quiet our mouths. Close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, we've celebrated, we've rejoiced in the King of Kings. We felt life in who He is to us. But I just want to open this opportunity for anyone who just wants to respond in this place of allowing the Holy Spirit just to work deeper in their heart and thinking it'll never change. Just remember that the enemy is not worried about you going to church. He's worried about you becoming the church. Okay, and to experience this freedom, to experience this freedom and to live in this freedom, we need to first believe what he said about us. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the love that you've given me for these people and for the love that they have for each other. I pray, Lord, that the revelations that you've given me, that you'll give each and every one of them the same revelation so that they could know you even more than they already do. You're a mystery even when you're known. And you're always amazing. Your love never fails. It's always, always heavy, even though it's light. (laughs) Stir up the hearts of this place. Thank you for grace and love and kindness. You're always kind. You're always amazing. And there's only you. (laughs) I asked God to explain to me what love was. I said, I don't understand love. What is this Jesus died for me? What is this? And he said, I've got two kids. 
just so that we understand what's going on here. I've got two kids. One is five, the other one is seven. Five-year-old girl, seven-year-old boy. And he said to me, love is this. A man comes into your home, brutally murders your five-year-old daughter, kills her. And in order for you to show him forgiveness, you give your son's life. And, and I just cried. And he said, he said, you can't do it, can you? <laughs> and I was like, no. And he said, that's fine, because I really have. <laughs> this is the king that we serve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus Christ. He loves you. I love you. He loves you. <laughs> Come on. Come on, don't let anything hold you back. You feel something's eating you up inside. Come here. Come on. That's right. That's right. Mm. It's just love. It's just love. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I really want to invite, if you're feeling that, that churning, that turmoil inside of you, I want you to come and stand in the front. And we want to just pray with you. We will stand with you. We're not going to pray general. We're going to come stand with you one-on-one the eldership and the healing rooms teams and the core leaders, we can stand with you in prayer and trusting that God will set in order because this love is enough for you. This love is enough for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Capture our hearts this morning, Lord. Grip our hearts with everything inside of us, Lord Jesus. We want to live our lives for you, Lord, every day in service of your King, of the King, in service of you, your majesty, as sons and daughters of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here with, with a neck injury? I feel like there's someone here with a neck problem. If it's you... Is it you? All right. I just want to pray for you. There's more than one? All right. Okay. So just come, come to this side and we can pray for you. We'll lay hands on you guys up there. Yeah. You feel anything else, Gavard? No? Feel anything else, Gavard? So I, I want us to acknowledge, I know we're in prayer now, but I want to, want to acknowledge something here today. There's, there's a gift on this man that is going to catapult what God does in this community for many, many things to come. We all have ministry. We all have life. We all can be used by the things of God. But I want to acknowledge what God has done in this heart today. And there's an, it's an incredible gift that the church is crying out to speak this truth of. So, Lord, we want to thank you for today. We want to thank you that you have been glorified. We want to thank you that your love is enough for us. We thank you that your power has overcome everything that we require. Your divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we acknowledge that power this morning, Lord, that gives us the enabling power by your grace to live from this place of the divine nature that you've given us. That we don't fall into old habits and traps in the way we live our lives but we live free in you. So Father, I pray that as we walk from this place, we walk out with freedom, touching on the Almighty God. 
We honor you today. Those people in the front, if you just remain here, we will come and pray with you and stuff. But you guys are free, free to go and have a fantastic week honoring the king. But if you guys just stay in the front, we will come and pray with you. Call leaders, elders, if we could just lay hands on these guys up front as we minister to them.